Hi, friends. Thank you for tuning in to Love Service Wisdom with myself, Marissa Rada Wepner, coming to you from Boise, Idaho, just back from another trip to one of my favorite spots, Boulder, Utah, not Colorado, down in the desert in the northern Four Corners area that I've been going to for the past 11 years, 11 years. And it's the 11-22-2020 portal today, Sunday, that I'm recording this for you on. So I figured, or I thought, maybe I'll tell you guys all about my, some (laughs) adventures in Boulder, Utah, and why I love it so much, because I go there quite a bit, and it is now certainly become like a second home, which I'm very grateful for. So a little story time today, and um, also wanting to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, this season of gratitude is upon us. Gratitude for sure. So much to be grateful for, though I recognize that uh, being personally where I'm at, at this higher level and of the socioeconomic spectrum, I have a lot more to be grateful for than some. And I'm certainly witnessing how the pandemic has benefited those of us at the top more than at the bottom, which I witness and feel and see. You know, at times I've, you might have heard me express how it's felt strange that at, that, that during this the pandemic time, things aren't going as bad as I hear that they are. And there's a sense of, I don't know, unease or curiosity about that. And then I think I've just recognized more and more how that's because of my place in society. And so that I am grateful for. And I'm also trying to do as much as I can to support those that are not here in my own ways. So gratitude, yes. And whoever you are and wherever you are and land on that spectrum, I hope that you can also feel some gratitude. One thing that, um, should I say this or not? I was, <laughs> I'll say it. one thing that I feel like I recognize even more. This is past week. I had a experience that led me to this aha that we're never alone. We're never alone. Even when we feel like we are struggling or things are difficult or we don't know how we're going to make it, we support each other and it's a really beautiful thing. Friendships and allyships and partnerships, family relationships, even communities and societies, how ingrained in a very primal, instinctual part of our beings is this desire to support each other. So I feel supported in many ways by so many in my life. And I hope others feel supported by me too. And I can see this broader fabric of how we support one another. And not very often is it that that's not true. And someone's fully left to sink without support. So all of us, gratitude for the support that we have. And thank you to everyone who 
supports me in all the ways that you do. I feel it and I appreciate it. And one of my most supportive places is like I alluded to earlier, this place of Boulder, Utah. So let me tell you guys how I first discovered this place. Because I think some of you might assume it was through my partner, East Forest, Krishna. And that's not true. It's not true. We both came to our love of Boulder independently. And then coincidentally, when we came together in partnership, we both already loved it, which has worked for our favor for sure. So back in the, goodness gracious, back in the winter of 2008, winter of 2008, story time, folks. I was in Seattle and I had been living in Sebastopol, California. Maya and I, little Maya was five and I was living down there with her running a substance abuse treatment center that was transpersonal psychology and eco-psychology based. And I'd spent the whole previous year getting it up and running. And then that um, fall, October, November, was the financial crisis of 2008. And the treatment center that I was working for, it lost its funding and I lost my job. And I was in a long, dis- long distance relationship with Bill Wepner. He was up in Seattle finishing his master's in public health fellowship. He was already a physician and he was finishing school and I was down in Sebastopol working with little Maya and we had just convinced him to move down to Sebastopol when he was done with school when I lost my job. So I ended up moving to Seattle and Bill and I moved in together, which was quite the change. And he knew that then since we weren't going to end up in Sebastopol, he wanted to move to Boise, Idaho when he finished school at the end of uh, the semester in 2009. So we kind of made that trajectory and plan. And Maya was in kindergarten and I was kind of in this in-between zone where I was in Seattle for, I don't know, nine months or so before moving to Boise and knew then that I wasn't really going to get a job And I was going to bide my time in the best way that I knew how. And I was writing, I was writing a book and I started to write for Reality Sandwich. And I got to Reality Sandwich because I had this like kind of like break chunk of time that I hadn't had in my life before because I'd been working so much, especially while being a single mother and going to school where I thought to myself, felt like a real opportunity window to reassess in some ways. And I thought to myself, well, who was I before I had Maya? And what did I like to do before I had her? Like, what what did my interests used to be? Because prior to living in Sevastopol, too, I was in rural Montana for uh, five, four years and was quite isolated. And now I was in Seattle, there was all kinds of stuff happening and going on. So it was like, what if I, I feel like I could tap into some things I like to do before, what were they? And I remembered how much I loved Mayan history, the Mayan people from 
from Central America, from Mexico. And that's really the reason why my daughter, Maya, is named Maya. It's because of that love and fascination. And when I was younger, before I had her, you know, I was in college, I studied mind history and philosophy and, you know, speculative, ancient religion, new agey type stuff a lot. And I went down to Mexico several times um, to study and go to different sites, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's just to say, I remembered that I loved this part of myself. And so I kind of like to get a Google search about Mayan um, history, prophecy, religion. It was pre-2012, right? It was, so it was 2008. And that led me to Daniel Pinchback and his book, The Return of Quetzalcoatl who is a major figure in Mayan mythology, Quetzalcoatl. And I got Daniel's book. I read it and I thought it was fantastic. And then I happened to find one of those like free new beginning something magazines that you can find in cities that talk about spiritual events or, I don't know, chiropractors and massage therapists and health and natural medicine, etc. There was an article by him in it that I read. And then he talked about his magazine, Reality Sandwich, this online site. And so then I went to Reality Sandwich and it was like a hub for fringe counterculture ideas, psychedelics, burning man, aliens, crop circles, um, the Mayans, indigenous culture, shamanism, all kinds of stuff like that, right? Like a big hodgepodge of interests that intersect, which I had been a fan of for a long time. And they said they were looking for writers. And so I wrote in and said, hey, I'd be happy to be a writer for you. And Daniel wrote me back and he's like, okay, great. You can start writing on these topics. And so I established this relationship with Reality Sandwich where I would write on topics they would send me to explore or investigate or just cover for their online magazine. And then they were starting these new groups called Spores. They had a sister website called Evolver. And Evolver was Reality Sandwich's version of something like a Facebook where you could connect with the other weirdos around where you are more focused on locally. Like it's great to be connecting in the online world, but what happens if we use that to then build community? So I was in Seattle, like I said, and had my profile on Evolver and they wanted to start spores, which were local hubs of those that were on Evolver who are near each other once a month, wouldn't it be great to get together in person and connect face to face? Seemed like a great idea. So I started the Evolver Spore in Seattle back in 2009. So that's just to say I was, you know, participating in this online community and connection and getting my cup filled with all these varying alternative interests that aren't alternative at all anymore, but at the time in the 90s and before where they were, and uh, then ended up moving to Boise. So then in uh, July 
2009, Bill and Mai and I moved to Boise and Bill got his job at the VA, which is exactly where he wanted to go, doing exactly what he wanted. And I, then when we landed here, I was still in, in this phase of like, well, I don't know Boise at all. And I don't know where my place is in this community. So I need to take a little bit of time. Maybe I'll go back to school. I know I want to teach yoga. Maybe I'll continue to write and that'll take off for me. I don't know. So I started teaching at a little place called The Muse, a class a couple of times a week, which is eventually how I created my studio, Sage. But I was also still writing for Reality Sandwich and I decided to start Evolver Boise. So I started Evolver Boise and we started to have meetups and that was a really wonderful way for me to create my connection here in town with those that were also free thinkers, let's say. And that fall, October, Reality Sandwich was having a retreat down in Boulder, Utah. And it was going to have, it was their second retreat. Um, Daniel Pinchbeck was going to be there. Graham Hancock, this woman, Lisa Renee, who I didn't know, but I now know is like a, um, kind of like Asia Andromeda. If you've listened to my podcast with her, she's all about, Lisa is all about like alien walk-in and ascension and being a hybrid human, that type of thing. And Graham Hancock, I'm, I assumed you knew, but let's say you don't know who Graham Hancock is. He is like a modern day Indiana Jones and he's traveled all over the world visiting ancient sites and creating a theory of human history and evolution that's certainly alternative to the elementary school textbook style history that we've gotten basically to say that uh, human history is a lot longer and more involved than we've thought and that the ancient cultures could perhaps have been connected in ways that are quite inspiring and interesting. If you don't know Graham Hancock's work, definitely check it out. So Graham was going to be there and Daniel and Lisa Renee and anybody that wanted to come from Reality Sandwich could come and you could come quite inexpensively in camp, which was going to be my option because I didn't have a lot of personal funds since I wasn't working at the time. So I could camp and come to this retreat at this place that I'd never been to for like 400 bucks for the four days. I'd been down to Escalante in, goodness, it was probably like 2000 and six on a vision quest with uh, my dear friend Paul and one of my mentors, Chuck. So I'd been once down to Escalante, which is maybe like, you know, 30 minutes from Boulder. So slightly familiar with the area, but I'd never been to Boulder, but decided to go and drive myself down there and go to this retreat with these other folks that I had been working with and knew of, like Michael and Jonathan and Ken, who helped run Reality Sandwich and get to have face-to-face time. So I showed up there by myself, and it was right after Burning Man, too. I hadn't been to Burning Man yet at that point, and it was kind of like a Burning Man decomp party because there were these art pieces in the lawn at the Boulder Mountain Guest Ranch, maybe like I don't know, half a dozen or more structures and again, art that you could interact with. And then during the day, there'd be 
talks by Lisa or Graham or Daniel, and then we go on these big hikes and eat amazing food and chill and hang out and connect. And it was really wonderful, super fun. And Ron, who owns the Boulder Mountain Guest Ranch, and his wife, Brandy, were incredibly hospitable and generous. And (laughs) Ron kind of does this thing with I think almost anybody that comes through where he makes you feel like family and you can come back anytime. And he gives you a very clear, open invitation to come back anytime. So wonderful, amazing time. Loved it so much. So nourishing to my soul and my weirdo spiritual inner being. Continued to lead Evolver, Boise, and started to write a little bit less for um, Reality Sandwich because I then was starting to open up my studio. But then I went again to Reality Sandwich Retreat number three the next year. And Daniel was there again and Graham. This time Alex Alex Gray was there. I think Android Jones was there too. And a few other incredible people. Another amazing, magical, beautiful, inspiring time. One little experience I'll share was in the afternoon, Jonathan Talat Phillips. He was a founder of Reality Sandwich. He was leading a um, session on like energy healing, right? And so I went to this and Alex Gray was in the session and I got to do energy healing on Alex Gray. He was my partner. We were partners in this exercise and then he did it on me. And, you know, being such a fan of his work, goodness, for forever, it seems, was a highlight of mine. So that was cool and fun. And, you know, yes, let's say psychedelics might have been shared throughout different moments in those years and retreats. And it was wonderful. Really great. And... I loved Boulder. I loved the energy and I loved the place and I loved the history. The history is that the um, Fremont people, the Fremont people of the northwestern southwest lived there, you know, for 3,000 years, crossing into some Anasazi connections as well. And so all through the canyons, And on the hikes and wherever you would go, you might find pictographs and petroglyphs and arrowheads and pieces of pottery. And it was so vibrant and alive with the ancient cultures that once called that place their home. In Boulder, the town, this might be hearsay, but it's known as the last post office in the entire United States to have been created. That's to say it was off the map and off the grid for a very, very, very long time. U.S., you know, colonized settlers, us, didn't go there in great numbers until very recently. So the amounts that the landscape and the land and the place has been exposed to us us Westerners walking around is way less than other places. So it's still, I feel, really high, vibrant, alive, 
with this ancient earth indigenous feeling, which is so nourishing. So loved it, loved it, loved it so much. And then in the spring of 2011, I convinced Bill to go down to Boulder for spring break with Maya and our other friends, our our couple friends, Lana and Andy and their kids, Ella and Liam. All of us went down to Boulder together, stayed at the Boulder Mountain Guest Ranch, hiked through Escalante and the classic Capitol Reef, or not Capitol Reef, Calf Creek, Lower Calf Creek hike, and the Petrified Forest, and we did the Slot Canyons down Hole in the Rock Road. Wonderful trip, wonderful vacation down there. And then I didn't go again for many, many, many years. But I had still had this great connection to the family of the Reality Sandwich crew. And I wasn't writing for them anymore. And I wasn't leading Evolver Boys anymore. My life had evolved into um, doing stage yoga and wellness, the yoga studio so much. And then, of course, I had Benji. And then I was married. And, woof, you know, life was was getting bigger in different ways. And a mutual friend... Robin, Michael Robinson, Michael Robinson from Reality Sandwich, again, one of the founders. He connected me one day, one random day, to his friend, Trevor Oswald. And Trevor Oswald, aka East Forest, had been down to Boulder for the first Reality Sandwich, Reality Sandwich retreat, which I had not been at. And then that next year, the first one I had gone to, Right before the retreat started, he was there getting married to his wife, Karina. So he had spent time down there, brought his whole family, his whole crew, got married, was in love with the place as well. And like I said, Ron and Brandy have a way of being so like family welcoming, warm, come in, this is all yours too. And he took that seriously. He's like, I will continue to come back. And so over the years, him and Karina continue to go down to Boulder and establish this friendship with Ron and Brandy and a connection to Boulder itself. So he was going down there all the time or, you know, a lot. I didn't know him, but we had a mutual friend and Michael Robinson and Krishna. I'm going to call him Krishna from now on because that's what I know. And Karina had been down in Boulder And Michael knew he was down there and Krishna at the time was living in Portland with his wife, Karina. And right in between Boulder and Portland is Boise. And so Krishna was traveling back to Portland with Karina and our mutual friend, Michael said, oh, you're going to drive through Boise. You got to meet Marissa. She's great. She's in Boise. She's one of us. You guys love each other you should connect. So Michael sent me a message. Hey, my friend, Trevor is coming through Boise and, you know, you guys should meet, you know, cool people should meet cool people. And it just so happened that it was a Thursday morning and I was, I was DJing for Radio Boise. So I was in the station in the DJ booth, DJing, you know, where you're kind of a captive from nine to noon every Thursday. I did that for 10 years. So I got the message they were coming through and I said, yeah, you know, totally come and see me down at the station. This is where I am. I didn't know anything about him. 
I don't know if he was a musician or what he was, but he came in with Karina and sat down and we were like, cool, nice, nice to meet you. And he told me that he was a musician. He had just put out his album Orbits and we talked about that. I got a CD. I played some of it on air from the CD. I interviewed him on air, I think a little bit too. And then that was that. Him and Karina left and went on their way. But then since then, we maintained a friendship, you know, a connection. I think that was probably like 2014, probably like the spring of 2014. And then he would come out to East Forest, would come out to Yoga Fort, and I would see him in Bulgaria at, at events, and we would cross paths in the, in the festival world here and there. So we were friends throughout um, the years before we became partners. And it was always just nice. You know, it's just like another person that you know that you want to be successful in the world and you'll do what you can for them. So then fast forward, 2016, again, we were in the same place, East Forest and I. It was the very first Udaya Live in the Rila Mountains in Bulgaria. So I was there DJing and teaching classes, and he was there playing for his dear friend, Tony G, who was a yoga teacher. And Tony had brought um, East Forest out to play with them. And Tony and Tony G and East Forest, if you had a, haven't experienced them together, I highly recommend it because Tony is such a good teacher and he just gets the East Forest music so much. So, oh yeah, let me tell you this too. So we were there, and the very first night we were there, I was there with Celeste and Rainbow Eric. The three of us were sharing a room together and Ritual Mystical, MC Yogi's album had just come out and Celeste was fangirling. Like, I love this album so much. It's so great. East Force is on it too. You got to check this out, Marissa. It's great music. And I hadn't heard it yet. So I'm relying on the bed and her pulling it up on like Spotify and the album cover stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, wait a second. I look at Eric and Celeste and I'm like, you guys know this artwork, right? They're like, no, we've never seen it before. I'm like, why is this so familiar to me? I know, I know this. I know this artwork is speaking to me. This is crazy. Where did it come from? And I thought and I thought about, thought about it. And then it hit me. It was Michael Robinson's artwork. And the year prior, Michael's out in California, or sorry, Michael's out in New York City. And at my yoga studio, I had commissioned with him to do an art show. So he sent me all kinds of um, print art that he had created of like incredibly intricate, designed, graphical, symbolic images that I'd had up in my studio for like, you know, a month, two months. And I'd bought in a few pieces. And one of the pieces that I bought was the same image that was on this MC Yogi album cover. And then it clicked into place like, oh, Trevor must have gotten Michael to create this album art. Wow, that's so amazing. I love it so much. And so then the next day, you know, I saw 
Krishna, Trevor, East Forest. And I said, I saw your artwork or Michael's artwork on the Ritual Mystical. It's so cool. He's like, yeah, it's great. I'm like, I listened to the tracks. They're so good. He's like, cool, thanks. You know, just chatting, that kind of thing. And then uh, one of the last nights, Celeste and Eric were off doing who knows what. And Trevor, East Forest, had performed a show that we had watched. I had watched earlier. And then after he got done, we were hanging out, chatting, you know, and like, I wish I could describe this place to you fully. It's like an underground basement, hotel, discotheque that's dark and you're in Bulgaria. So it's all slightly like weird European. I think Soul Rising might've been playing because he was there too. Maybe not. Maybe it was Pascal that night. But anyways, Trevor and I hung out for a long time just talking because for me, I don't really have anybody else that I wanted to just sit and chat with. At the end of like five days of this festival, you're a little worn out. So it was nice to just be like, huh, not another calm human that I know fairly well. Let's chill. So we chilled and hung out. And then the next day he left. And then that same next day, he left. I was getting a massage because I wanted um, to kind of de-stress a little bit more after all the intensity of those days. And someone had warned me not to get a massage at the hotel, but I didn't listen to them. And I booked a massage at the hotel and it was I was wanting like a nice deep tissue massage. And the woman poured all this oil on me. Think like like a vat of, uh, like a vat, like a gallon of massage oil dumped all over me. And the massage was her like taking her fingers lightly and just kind of like moving them like limp wristed around. And I was like, this sucks. This is the worst massage I've ever gotten. And I would say like, could you do it a little bit harder? Could you give it a little bit more pressure? There's somewhat of a language barrier. So I was trying to be like as polite and clear as possible. And she would say yes, like she understood. And then it would still be like this horrible, like oily, I don't know, like finger trailing movement. And eventually I'm like, you just have to accept that this is the experience that you're getting right now. And so I did. And so I was just like relaxing into it and got, kind of got into like a meditative state while this was happening to not get like mad while you're getting massaged because that's the last thing that you want to have happen. So I'm relaxing into it and just kind of like letting my mind relax, getting into this little trance state. And all of a sudden, poof, I had this vision of East Forest and I in Boulder and we were doing something together and it was April. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Okay. And I kind of just tucked it away as, I don't know, as information, right? Like, I wonder what that means or I wonder what that has to do with, I don't know. And then fast forward, that was back in August of 2016. Fast forward and Krishna, East Forest, in his own life, him and his wife, Karina, 
start to separate. And he leaves that fall of 2016, Portland, to go down to Boulder because he's in, he's starting a separation. And he's not quite sure at that point what that means for them or where things are going to go, but he felt like getting space might be helpful. And so he's down there. And like I said, we're friends and connect every now and then. And prior to that, my husband at the time, Bill, and I had gone through a hard couple years too. And when he told me he was separating, I was like, oh, I feel you. I get it. It's really hard. I've kind of been there too. We made it through. But if you, you know, want to talk to anybody about it, you know, you can reach out because I know how hard it is. And so every now and then, not very often, we would check in and I'd check in and see how he's doing because he's a very sensitive being who has a huge, huge heart. So being down there was quite hard for him as he was finding his way. And then come around February of 2017, he just sends me a message and it's like, hey, I think I'm going to do a retreat in Boulder in April. Just wanted to let you know. And then I was like, that's it. I'm supposed to help him with that. I'm supposed to help him with this retreat. I've led tons of retreats. I know how this goes. He's never done anything like a retreat. He just doesn't know what he's doing. And he wanted to pick up the mantle of the reality sandwich retreats because those had fizzled out after about four. And it had been, been many, many years. So he had gone to the reality sandwich retreats too and knew how wonderful they were. I wanted to start something like that again. So I wrote back and I said, that's awesome. Let me help you. Let me help you do the retreat. I'll come and teach yoga for you. I'll help, you know, lead whatever you want. And he's like, okay. I'm like, you don't have to pay me. I just want to come down there. I haven't been down to Boulder since 2011. So part of my heart and body and soul was aching to get down there again. And it was a great excuse. So I said, let me just come, give me some lodging. I'll teach yoga, I'll teach meditation, and I'll help you out because you don't want you don't really want to do that by yourself. So he said yes. So now we're planning this retreat down in Boulder together in April. And April came. The retreat was amazing. And it was so good to be in Boulder again. It felt like coming home. There was a few people that I got to see again that I hadn't seen since I'd been there last time. You know, when they just say like, hey, it's good to see you again. I remember meeting you years and years ago. So there's some of that. And then for East Forest, his, you know, relationship and separation started to intensify. And he and Karina decided to officially get divorced. And then in my own life, parallel and separate, Bill and I, who'd been going through it since 2014 pretty intensely, we also decided that May that we were going to, to get divorced. And so that began our divorce process. So Bill and I were in that process. And then Krishna, he and Karina started to go through their process. And we were both in this divorce process at the same time, which was really quite weird and strange but at that point did I have my first thought like oh maybe this guy is maybe he's kind of cute maybe I don't know maybe he's seems 
nice. You know, like you don't think that about somebody while you're in something else. And then all of a sudden it's like your perspective can shift. My perspective shift, shifted while I was navigating my own divorce at the same time. And then we planned another retreat together for that spring or no, so sorry, 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 for the fall of 2017. And then we've done a retreat together, East Forest and I, every year. We did twice in 2017, 2018, 2019. We had one planned for September of 2020, which got postponed like everything is and does. And then we've got another one. We pushed it to September 2021. So if you want to come on retreat with us, you can see that at eastforest.org backslash retreat. And there's still some spots to sign up for that retreat. But that gets me back to, goodness, how much I love Boulder. You guys, it's like being on Mars. So being on another planet, foreign landscape, feeling so grounded because earth life like being when I say earth life like being so surrounded by nature like 360 degree views it's in the place that we've got when Krishna was getting divorced our my the good friend Ron that I've mentioned a couple of times he helped Krishna get a piece of land, 14 acres of land, so he could move from Portland to Boulder and that became his residence when he was divorcing. And it's in Grand Staircase National Monument. Grand Staircase National Monument is named that because it's like a staircase from these mountains, the Boulder Mountains, Alpine land, steps down, 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 all the way down to the Grand Canyon. So you have like slick rock and red rock and sandstone and the plains. So all these like different natural landscapes of just earth. So it's right by Capitol Reef National Park. It's near Zion's, it's near Bryce, it's near Moab, the Four Corners area. And you go there and it's this mix of like wild west, Mormon, hippie, survivor, living on the land type of energy. And this, I don't know, I haven't been to Sedona, but I'd imagine like the same sort of Sedona vortexy sensation that you would get there is very alive and bolder. So the place is so, I don't know, just so nourishing. The sky, the stars that you see at night, it's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of stars in the Milky Way, so bright, streaked across the sky. I see shooting stars most of the time that I'm there. I'll tell you, on one of my trips this past fall, I think I saw one of my first UFOs where Christian and I were coming down the other side of Hell's Backbone, down into Escalante. We'd been on a hike that day at Pine Creek. We were driving down and I'm looking out the window to my right and over the mountains is this orb that's refre refle refre reflecting, 
reflecting light shining and it's not moving just hovering standing staying in the same spot while we're driving in the car so we're moving and i'm staring at it staring at it staring at it staring at it and finally i say you look at this thing in the sky and he turns when he turns he catches like a glimpse of it and then we disappear behind the mountain we can't see it anymore and i'm like what that was so bizarre wasn't moving at all just staying in the same spot and then we keep going and I'm still looking out the window and a few minutes go by and then the image the the object that had been stationary zooms across the tops of the mountains and I see it again and then it goes it goes from like right to left really quickly and then out like away and just disappears so that's what I think was my UFO he thinks it was a weather balloon who will ever really know, but I don't, I wouldn't doubt if UFOs were coming out in and out of the mountains there. That's another, you know, just parallel to how crazy, cool, epic, insane, gorgeous it is. And I love it. Since COVID, like I said, we would go down there for our retreats and then Krishna has a spot there. Eventually he's with me more in Boise and we go back and forth a couple of times a year. But since COVID, we've gone down almost every month and I've gotten really used to going down there every month since April and having about a week where I can unplug and walk and walk and walk and walk and walk the land and walk the land. This past time that I was there, we went on, on, we went on, I don't know, two to four mile hikes, walks, walkabouts, saunters, wanders every day. This last hike that we went on, we, he wanted to explore a new spot. So we picked a spot called Spencer Flats. And there was a hike you could do that I found from Spencer Flats to Phipps Arch back to the road and it required a shuttle where we would drop our car near the Escalante River, drive to Spencer Flats, hike 10 miles out and then back to the car. So we dropped my car off at Escalante, the river, and uh, went to Spencer Flats. No one's around, hardly anyone's around ever when we're out. And we, you know, gear up and we make our descent, which was a little hairy. There was certainly a spot along the sandstone descending where I slipped and slid on my butt like two feet, which was kind of scary. My water bottle came out of my pack and we watched it just like clunk, 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 tumble down the side. And he says, you're going to need that. And I'm like, you're right, I will. And we get down this little section where I'd slid, where it was really steep. And he's like, I'll get your water bottle for you. So he goes around the corner to we think where it had landed. He comes back in a minute. He's like, you're so lucky that it bounced. And its last bounce had blown the cap off, but it had landed it where it was upright. So you only lost a little bit of water and I found the cap. So got my cap, got my water bottle. We keep going down, hiking down, down, down. It was mostly like a descent down the sandstone. And then we were going to walk along a riverbed for miles and miles and miles. And he said, you know, we're pretty lucky because we're only going to have to do an ascent again when we get to Phipps Arch. It's pretty flat after we get down this descent. So we hiked down maybe like 500, 800 feet over like a mile. 
And all of a sudden it hits me out of nowhere like a bolt of lightning. I forgot my keys. I don't have my keys for the shuttle. They're in my purse in his car up at the top. And so I stop in my tracks, dead in my tracks. And I'm like, Krishna, I've got really bad news. And he looks at me and I pause. I don't want to say anything. And I say, I forgot the keys. And of course he says, I asked you if you had the keys. I'm like, I know, but you asked me if I had the keys when I got in your car, when you picked me up, not when we got out of the car. I'm like, I didn't get them. I don't have the keys. And you know, it's one of those moments where you're like, fuck, what do we do now? He's like, well, check and make sure. So we sit down and I know I don't have them, but I go through the motions of looking for them. I'm like, I don't have them. What do we do? We, the, the only option is we can't keep going. We'd have nine more miles to get to the car and no keys. So we have to turn around and hike all the way back up, which was the steep ascent. And I tell him I'm sorry. And I'm sitting there and I look and I see a big moki ball, which is like a formation of iron oxide and sandstone. They're like 25 million years old, they say. This big moki ball, which I think is pretty cool. And then, and then there's several more around. And we have some water and we have a snack and then we turn around and we start hiking back up. And he's like, you know, I didn't want to go to Phipps Arch anyways. I just wanted to go to Spencer Flats. I'm like, cool. Well, that's, that's where we're going now. So we get up and we go further along Spencer Flats and have a majestic, amazing day hiking there through this other like canyon, slick rock, red rock land. There, there's like hundreds of thousands of moki balls everywhere, every shape, every size, which blew me away. I'd never seen that many ever, 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 ever. ever. So have another wonderful, wonderful day. I asked him later how long he was mad at me for, for forgetting the keys. And he said only like 30 seconds to 90 seconds, which was kind of nice. He's like, I trust I trust that we weren't supposed to go that way. And we didn't. We did not go that way. And I'll be going back again for Thanksgiving. I'm headed down there again on Tuesday. This is a Sunday that I'm recording it on. And it's one of my most favorite places in the whole wide world. And I'm sharing that with all of you. But that doesn't mean that I want everybody to come down there. And maybe you won't, or maybe you will. If you want to come, I'm happy to share it with you. It's not mine to keep, but it certainly is a really, really, really special place. Special, special place. So that's some of my story for you all of Boulder, Utah, and why I love it so much and how I got there. Oh, when we were on our other hike later that day on Spencer Flats, he turned around and he said, I'm sure to, I'm sure I'm happy that you love hiking as much as I do because I would have loved you either way, but it makes it a whole heck of a lot easier than you love this as much as I do. I'm like, oh yeah, man. We both came into this relationship loving this place and now we just get to enjoy it together endlessly as much as we want all the time. So very, 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 very grateful that he also loves that place as much as I do and looking forward to sharing it with you guys someday too. So with that, my friends, 
my dear friends. Hope you enjoyed story time. I'm sure I left out many things and interesting tidbits, but that's that's a little overview. And like I said, if you want to join us on retreat there, September, end of September 2021, go to eastforest.org backslash retreats. 